0: Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. So yeah, you can open your Bibles again over to Mark chapter 4 we're going to do a little bit of review. Uh we just we just came to this section uh last week, started talking about these verses in Mark chapter 4, parable that Jesus taught about the sower and the seed and the soil and in the first uh 13 or so 9 10 verses, I guess 9 verses maybe of that chapter he lays out this parable about a sower going out to plant seed and the different soil conditions that that seed goes into and uh how it really is the condition of the soil not anything to do with the seed the seed stays the same we saw last week through that whole through that whole parable it's all the same seed the seed that god sows into our life the seed of his word jesus then in verse uh, 14 says the sower sows the word. So as he starts to describe the parable, he tells us that what's being sown into our lives is the word of God. And he compares it to a seed. And seed is a container of life. All seed on the earth is a container of life. God laid this out in Genesis. The Lord laid this out before the fall. He said, this is the way it is in the earth. Every seed bearing plant, it's going to bear seed or it's going to bear fruit that contains seed. And that seed Will produce after its own kind it won't produce a different kind. it will produce from the same life that produced it okay it 's a principle in the earth. it works in seeds that we plant. Jesus told us it works with the Word of God. it works actually. The whole thing, the whole principle of sowing and reaping, it works with our finances. It works with our attitudes. What you sow is what you will reap. Paul told us that what a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. And when a seed is sown, it it produces a multiplied harvest. So if we sow a seed of of joy or peace or, or love into somebody's life, we reap back an even greater harvest. It may not come from right where we planted it, but it'll come from somewhere. It'll come from somewhere, okay? Because this is a principle that that God established in the earth. And in these verses, in verse 13, I believe these are some of the most important verses that Jesus ever taught, some of the most important teaching. And the reason I believe that is because of verse 13, where he said, his disciples started to ask him, "What, what does that mean? What does that parable mean? And he said, oh boy, No, he didn't say that, but that's what he said. If you don't understand this parable, it will not be possible. The Amplified Bible says, how will it be possible for you to understand the rest of his teaching, the rest of the parables? This one is so foundational because this is how the word of God works in our lives. So one thing we get from that is our life today is the result of what we have stored up in our hearts, what we have treasured in our hearts to this point, good or bad. There are things that ideas, thoughts, words, uh, that have been sown into our lives. We have, a, we have received them into our hearts. We have believed these things. And that has produced the fruit of the life we are living for good or for bad. Your heart, we'll see this later in this teaching, your heart is a seedbed of God's word, and it's a seedbed of other words. It just depends on what you choose to allow to be planted in it. But your heart will produce for life or for death. Your heart will produce for good or for bad. What you receive into your heart, one thing it will do is it will impact what you say. It will impact what you believe, how you think, what you believe. That'll influence how you act, okay? Okay. But it'll also influence the words that come out of your mouth. We can tell what's in our heart in abundance by the words that come out of our mouth. And, and Proverbs 18.21 tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's because the mouth is releasing what's in abundance in our heart. So our life today, if you want life to be different going forward, if you want it to be better, if you want some change, you have to change what's coming into your heart what you're receiving into your heart, what you're putting weight on in your life, what you're, what you're giving yourself to in your life because this is how it works. And Jesus said, if we don't understand this process, that the word of God is seed, that God, in fact, let's start here. Verse 14, he says, the sower sows the word. Okay, that's a really simple, it's like, so what's in that? Well, one thing that's in that is that as a description of a part of the nature of God. The sower, capital T, capital S, proper name, the sower. What does that tell me? That tells me that God is a planter, a builder, a giver of life. He's, he's not a withholder. He's not playing games. He is there. He is coming with something to the life giving that he wants to pour into my heart. He created this seedbed that's in me that I call my heart, that he calls my heart. He created that to be a place where he can sow himself through his word, through his nature, through the time we have in his presence. He can plant himself in us, and that will actually produce what Jesus called fruit, fruit of the Spirit. He he said it's the same as the vine and branches relationship. His life will actually grow up in us. It will change us. But the fruit, the, the way of thinking, the activities, the attitudes that come out of our life will be his, not just ours. It will be his life that's directing all of that. He He created this so God is a creator. God is a giver. God is a sower. He's a planter. He's not here to just tear up things out of your life, not good things. If he is tearing something up out of your life, it's so that you can produce more fruit. Jesus taught us that in John chapter 15. So we find out that God is a sower. We find out the word of God is like seed and seed again has the power to reproduce the life that produced it. Luke chapter 1, verse 37 in the Amplified Bible, it tells us that every word from God has the power within it to reproduce itself. That's why nothing is impossible with God. You recognize that statement? Nothing is impossible with God. Luke 1, 37, 38, it says... Uh, And I don't have it right in front of me, but in the Amplified Bible, it gives us the, the meaning of the Greek there is that every word from God is powerful. It has the ability to reproduce itself in us. So when we hear a word on healing, for example, that can produce healing in us it can also produce the fruit of releasing healing to other people. When we hear a word of encouragement, it will encourage us, but it will also produce an, encourage, an encouraging spirit, an encouraging flow out of our lives that we can pour into somebody else. Every word from God has the ability to reproduce itself in us and pour itself out through us. Fruit... Boy, I'm taking a long time on this. Fruit is a container of seed, which is a container of life. And so you can take a piece of fruit and you can take it somewhere else and you can plant that fruit our fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is a whole series of attitudes that reflect God's nature. We can, we can plant that fruit into our family, into our community, into our business, into our church, into any place that we go. And that fruit is, again, a container of seed that is a container of the same life that produced the fruit. Okay, It's so simple, but Jesus said, if you don't get this you're not going to get anything I'm teaching because this is how my teaching is going to work in your life, okay? So he, he lays all that out. God is a sower. The word of God is like seed. The soil is, is the, the seed bed of our heart in our life and there are different. He names four different conditions of heart that we can have on the inside that are more or less receptive to God's word, and more or less uh, productive, conducive to the growth of fruit, okay? And every one of them is important. And we just, you know, just a couple things I wanted to say to you about this this morning that we didn't talk about last week. It's important that we realize, you know, we get down to that last um, good soil, you know, seed being sown in good soil, and it produces, still produces different amounts. Some of it produces 30, 60, 100 fold, still produces different amounts. But it's good soil in our heart. It's well, I think the Amplified Bible says, well adapted soil. And so, two things I wanted to say about that. One is, I think I said this to you last week, I believe we can have all of these conditions of heart in us working at once in different areas of our life. We're wide open to God speaking to us in this area. We're producing a lot of fruit. We're growing in faith in this area. Over here, we're still struggling. Okay, so we can have these different conditions. Secondly, we can have, we can develop good ground in all of those areas. And I believe that's what the Lord is doing in our lives. That's what He that's what His whole pruning and cleansing and and working with us and training and discipling and ministering to us personally, He is developing better soil throughout our life so that we can begin to produce more fruit in every area of our life. And it's it's important to realize that good soil is usually developed. It doesn't always come naturally. I mean living here, you know, I grew up uh sad to say, a number of my growing up years were in North Dakota. Well, there's pretty much good soil everywhere in the part of the state that I lived in. Glaciers pushed it in years ago and it's all blowing into Minnesota now, but there used to be good soil. And as pretty much, I mean, it's just that rich, black, loamy, ridiculous soil. But then living here, living, I mean, Paoni was pretty good, but a lot of that was developed. Living here, living in New Mexico, yeah, you got to create soil. You don't, and, and many of you in your little gardens and stuff, you build up boxes and you put good soil in there. You, know, you don't just work with the junk that's in the ground. We have at our house, I don't know what they did. They did a lot of weird things out there. But uh, our front yard, it's flatter, but still the soil's got to be different. The grass grows, you got to mow it all the time. It's a real pain, it's wonderful. The backyard, I don't know what's under there, but nothing but weeds wants to grow in it. I mean, it's just the way it is. They're just right there. But one has been developed, the other hasn't. And it's just important to realize good soil is developed. And the point of that is, if we let the Lord do it, he will develop good soil in places where maybe we don't have good soil right now in our lives. So, so it's, it's developed, but it is the condition of the soil that is determining the amount of fruit The seed is good, the sower is faithful, it is the condition of the soil. So Jesus goes in and in this first passage in in Mark 4.15, he says, The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, when they hear, some of your translations say immediately, Satan comes at once and the amplified says by force takes away the message which was sown in them. So the first kind of soil he describes we talked a lot about this last week. I'm not going to go through it all again. The first kind of soil he describes is I think the most important because it is it is a description of hard-heartedness. A heart that is not at all receptive to God's word, to what God would be saying or doing in our lives. There are many reasons. We'll look at a couple of them this morning. Many reasons, many more than we're going to look at uh, in this, this time, in this passage. But there are many reasons that our hearts become hard. And one of them is right here. It's the path. It's where people walk. And so some of us have been walked on a lot in life. And if we allow that to harden our hearts, I don't think we get to blame anyone for hardness of heart. It appears in the scripture, the hearer is the one who hardens their heart toward the word. But no doubt things happen in life that have the potential to cause hard heartedness. A lot of times it's a defensive position. I've been hurt. I haven't worked through it. I might even be really trying to work through it. I'm in process of working through it, but I don't work through it. It's probably going to be kind of a hard area in your heart because you're defensive. There's fear working there is really what's happening. There is fear working there. You're afraid of being hurt again. All that's understandable. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying it's important for us if we believe that, that this teaching is one of the most important teachings Jesus did. And if we're not going to be able to understand the rest of his teaching unless we get this, then we've got to take this seriously. And if we find places in our heart that are hard or becoming hard or partially hardened, we need to put those before the Lord because he will work and he will till that up and he will water that and he will fertilize that and he will turn that into good soil. But we've got to recognize it. It's up to the hearer to realize, I've got, I've got some hard places in my heart. And maybe because of hurt, maybe because of fear, maybe because, I'll give you a little list later, but I mean, certainly unforgiveness, offense, you know, those types of things. And the thing is that this is, so this is the shallowest, this is the hardest uh, place. And so what happens is when the seed falls there, the Bible says it just lays on top That means that that in those places where our heart is hard, we are the most vulnerable to having the word stolen out of our heart. He says it just clearly. Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message that was sown in you. He takes takes away the seed. This, I believe, is his number one strategy against believers. If If you're giving yourself to hearing God's word, Well, then what he wants is to have the opportunity to steal that word out of your heart. And we'll we'll talk in just a second about how that works. But if we allow or maintain, remember last week I said you got to have your big boy pants, big girl pants, okay? This is our responsibility. This is your responsibility and my responsibility. If we allow our hearts to be hard in an area, we're aware of it. I'm just going to be hard here. I just, you know, I'm just going to have a hard attitude toward God about this. I don't like what he did or didn't do at some time in my life. I don't like that he allowed something hard to happen in my life. Hey, welcome to planet earth. Uh, You know, there are things that go on that have that potential to hardness. If we allow that, what we're doing is we are aiding and abetting the enemy. We are if if we are not giving those places to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need a tender heart in this area, because we have a messianic promise that He will remove the heart of stone and give us a tender heart. Okay? We have a promise that that is part of the role of the Messiah. So if instead I just say, you know what? I I, I mean, sometimes I think we're hurting God with our heart being hard. I think we think we're hurting other people with our heart being hard. We're not hurting anybody but us. And if we allow that, what you are doing, are you ready? You are allowing a defeated lying thief to come in and steal the word of God out of your life simply by maintaining I'm, I'm going to stay hard in this area. I'm just not going to listen. You say, oh, nobody does that. No, people do that all the time. I'm telling you, people do that all the time. So what's the solution to that? Stand up, realize this is an area, Lord, where I'm having a hard time Trust in your promise. I feel like I've, I've failed, others have failed. Some people feel like the Lord has failed whatever it might be. I haven't seen this come to pass and it's been a long time. Give that area to the Lord and let him restore hope. Let him make it tender. Let him begin to speak to you about it. Okay, does this make sense to you? You, Are you receiving this is more to the point. Okay, Um, so the scripture said, we read it last week over in Hebrews chapter three, when you hear him speak, do not harden your heart. All right, so that definitely put the responsibility on us as, as far as hardening our heart goes. So how does Satan come to steal the word? How does he do it? You know, it, we see Jesus said he did. I think the first question we've got to ask is, why is that seed sitting up on top of the soil? You know, why why is my heart hard in that area? God's not condemning anyone. I hope you're not hearing that from me. He's not mad. He's not. He is the sower. He's there to till up that ground. He's there to help. He's there to produce and develop that good soil in your life. He's on your side in this. But for some reason, the Word is sitting up on the surface and, and the devil's able to just come in and steal it and it never bears any fruit in my life. There are two reasons. Either we have rejected the word, okay? I just don't believe it or I've been taught differently or I just don't want to receive it, whatever. We've rejected the word or we've neglected the word, okay? We've just neglected it. The scripture teaches us that neglecting the word produces the exact same result as rejecting the word. Okay, neglecting, we might think that's no big deal. No, it produces the exact same result. Let me show show it to you in the Bible. We're going to go through this real quick. Proverbs chapter one, I don't have these on the screen. So you can either just listen or read along. I'm going to read them all from the Amplified Bible. We're going to go through a little process here. Proverbs chapter one. Are you with me? Okay, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. It says, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principal part and choice part of knowledge. It's starting and its essence. So, the worshipful fear of the Lord. That means having a deep reverence and respect for God and for what he says. This is the starting point of receiving his word, his knowledge, his wisdom into our hearts. So it's an attitude. right? This is, this is about an attitude. If I approach God from a place of worship, it's called the fear of the Lord. It means a worshipful reverence. I have so much respect for him that what he says, I'm going to receive. Even if it's hard, I'm going to receive it. Why? Because it's full of life. He's coming to give me life. I know who he is. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I accept that as the truth. So if he says something to me and it's contrary to what I think, well then my thinking needs to change. If it is, uh, if it's hard, oh man, I didn't think you were gonna have me forgive that person, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, fine, it's hard, but I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna receive it. Okay, why? Worshipful fear of the Lord. You know how it is when somebody doesn't listen to you on a regular basis. How does that make you feel? You know, it makes us feel disrespected. Well, it's the same thing with God. We don't want to disrespect the Lord. Not because he's going to punish us, because we want what he's trying to bring into our life, right? It's it's life-giving. So reverence for God opens the heart to his word. Okay? It's, just, it's just a simple place. It says, but fools, and this word fools in the Bible means people who reject God. They reject the belief in God. They reject what God might say if they believe there is a God. But it's, it's a person who rejects God. That's what the word fools in Proverbs means. Uh, the man who says, the fool says, this is another verse says, the fool says there is no God. Okay. So it says fools despise skillful and godly wisdom, and instruction and discipline, okay? So so they're rejecting what he says. All right, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 23, another verse. If you will turn, repent and give heed to my reproof, okay? Turn, repent, that's what repentance means is to change our thinking. Stop thinking what I thought was right and start thinking what God thinks is right. It in the New Testament means to make a 180 degree turn, to change our thinking, and therefore our behavior will follow, our belief will follow. We turn away from where we were going, we turn toward God. Okay, so he says, If you will, turn and repent and give heed to my reproof. Reproof is correction. All right, God does correct us, and it's for our good. Again, John chapter 15, Jesus taught this vine and branches relationship. And one of the things he said there was that as we bear fruit, he will prune us. And that word prune, he will, and and then he turned to his disciples and said, you're already cleansed because of the word I've spoken to you. Well, the word prune and the word cleansed are actually the same word in the Greek there. So that tells us how does God, he brings reproof. Well, that sounds kind of mean, it's not. He's bringing correction so that we can bear more fruit. So yeah, sometimes he takes things out of our life, or he uh, and, and he does it. Jesus said through his words. He speaks to us. He doesn't take your child to teach you a lesson in life. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't remove a leg to teach you to be patient. Okay, he speaks your heart. He trains. He, he disciples. Okay, that's how he does it. And, the, and Jesus said that's how he cleanses us. So this verse in Proverbs says, if you will give heed, there it is again, what we hear last week, listen with the ear of the mind, right? Give heed to my reproof. Behold, I, wisdom, will pour out my spirit upon you. I'll make my words known to you. So quick repentance. Maintains a tender heart when we find out we're wrong or God brings correction he He's not there to beat you up he's there to make your life better, so so we quickly say, Yes, Lord, help me to think the way you think help me give keep speaking that to me i need to I need my mind renewed in that area so I can go in other directions. So beginning with this worshipful reverence, coming to him with that attitude. And then when he brings reproof or correction, then be quick to repent. It's a gift. Repentance is a wonderful thing. Okay. You with me so far? Okay. A couple more. Proverbs chapter one, verse 29 through 33. Now notice this. What did I say a minute ago? Rejecting and neglecting produce the same outcome. Okay. These verses say because they it's talking about people who reject God they hated knowledge and did not choose the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord so that's a choice okay who does that puts the weight on us choose to approach God with this reverent fear they so they did not choose that they would not accept any of my counsel so there's so there's some rejection. I'm rejecting what God is saying. I, I just don't believe that. And listen, I've heard everything. We all hear, I don't believe there is a God. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe this. I don't believe that. We all hear that today. But I've had a number of times. I've had Christians you know, say, yeah, I see that in the Bible, but I just don't believe it. Or I see that in the Bible. I just don't want to do it. This is not what I want to do. That's a problem. That's, that's a problem. And it's going to hurt you. It'll also hurt people around you. To, that is rejecting God's counsel. And there's got to be a root in that of, I just want to do what I want to do. Or, or, you know, I just don't believe God's necessarily got my best. You know, there's a root in that. And he can show you what it is. But anyway, they will accept none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof, my correction. Therefore, they will eat the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. So, in other words, the choices they've made are going to produce the life that they're going to live. And there's another verse uh, that I didn't pull out that says, you know, a man goes his own way and then rages against God about the result. Okay, okay. That's what happens a lot. People end up really mad at God when really they're just eating the fruit of their own way. Are you enjoying this? (laughs) I love these kind of verses. Because I know God's on my side. So I'm good with this. This is cool. Um, So they'll and be satiated. Wow. With their own devices. For, here it is, here it is. For the backsliding of the simple shall slay them. So that's backsliding. That means turning away from God. Rejection. There it is. Backsliding of the simple will slay them. And the careless ease of self-confident fools will destroy them. Okay? The careless ease. So we have backsliding, rejection, and we have just, I don't really care. Careless ease. I'm just going through life. I don't really pay much attention to what the Lord's saying or not. I I like all these different ideas. I, I just adopt a little here, a little there you know, I'm just kind of cruising through life. Careless ease. It produces the exact same result in life as rejecting the word. So we've got to be serious uh, about what God's saying. But here's the rest. But whoso hearkens to me, that's us, I hope. That's us. Hearken, I give him my ear. All right. Whoso hearkens to me, wisdom, shall dwell securely and in confident trust and shall be quiet without fear or dread of evil. Okay, I want to get to one more set of verses this morning still. So let me try to give this to you real quick. So how does Satan come? Here's why it's, the seed's laying up there because I've made my heart hard in some, some way. Okay, so that's why the seed's laying up there when when it says satan comes to steal it the amplified says by force the greek basically says it's laying right on the surface and he just picks it up it's not like he's you know bringing a bunch of demonic power into your life he's just picking it up you left it laying there he's picking it up okay um so usually what he does is he uses an event he uses a circumstance he uses an interaction with a person or something that happens uh here's just a few examples i've seen over time We go into a series on healing. Just about everybody in the place has the opportunity to get sick within the next two weeks. That's not because the word's not true. It's because the word is true. It's because Satan will come immediately to try and steal that word that could bring healing to you and healing to others that you give it away from. He will come and try and lead you into a place of saying, oh, God must not want me well. That word must not be true. You might hear a word about God meeting all your needs and immediately... You know, something happens at your work or this or that happens. You hear a word on love and forgiveness and you go out and get in a fight with somebody in the parking lot before you, or maybe even before you leave the building, you know, maybe it happens in the bathroom. You know, I mean, immediately he'll bring something into your life. And the point of that is to try and steal the word. He's after the Word it's not God trying to make your life miserable it's not even the devil trying to make your life miserable. I don't think He cares about us that much. What he doesn't want is for your life to be fruitful. What he doesn't want is for the Word of God to be alive in you, so he'll usually bring some some event, some conversation, some interaction. Get mad at somebody on the roadway right away and you never remember what you heard in church that morning. Does that make sense to you? So this is just something, it's a tactic, it's a strategy. And if we're aware of it, then we don't have to be taken in by it. Okay, We, we can recognize, oh man, that just came to steal the word out of my heart. And you know what I do in that situation? I turn around and I grab whatever that word was I heard and I start speaking that scripture and praising God for that truth in my life. And I just attack with the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. And pretty soon he'll stop pulling that on you. Sometimes he'll even do this, you know, if he can get you to not hear the word, that's even better. If he can just get you to stay home or not listen to, you know, whoever you listen to for for teaching or not pull out your Bible in the morning, whatever. If he can get you th- through distractions, through whatever, if he can get you that way, better yet. If he can keep your kids out of church, better yet. Get a whole another generation. So he does have strategies, but he's not brilliant. He's not creative. He's not God. He's a liar. He's a thief. And the only way he can get on top of you is through getting you to agree with a lie. It's the only way he can do it. He's got to get you to agree with something that contradicts the word of God, or at least a dilution, a compromised version of the word you just heard. Okay, yeah, I see that. You know, I heard that on healing, but gee, maybe Maybe God only heals once in a while, you know. When when the Word says by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, and it's a promise we need to take hold of by faith for sure. But maybe you know He can dilute. Well, yeah, I, I see that. I know I need to forgive, but you don't know what this person did. Okay, I need to. I need to. You know, I I need to um, grow in this area, but. Maybe God only means this much. If he can get us buying into those kinds of things, then the word just gets sucked right off the top, right off the surface, okay? Man, I'm so close to out of time. Um, I'm gonna jump ahead from where we were. Let's see if I do this right. No. Okay, Do we get that one? All right, let's go through these real quick and we'll be done today. I've only got five minutes left. I hate clocks. Okay, so there are a million things we could talk about, but there's one in particular I want to talk to you about this morning. There are a million things we could talk about that harden our hearts, okay? And the first one I have down here is unresolved hurt or anger, okay? We all get hurt. We all get angry. The Bible even says we can get angry but not sin, By dealing with that anger the same day, just get through it, deal with it. Uh, But we all have hurt in life. There are injustices in every life. There are things that we do that hurt us. There are things that other people do that just break our hearts. There are a lot of things that happen. Everybody experiences that. What we have to learn is how to work through that hurt and bring the Lord back into that place to keep our hearts tender. Okay, so that's one thing just to watch for any time. You know, you have to remember that God wasn't the author of whatever it is. If you you move, I use I like to use gratitude when I'm hurt about something or angry about. I start thinking about what I'm grateful for. I think gratitude is really powerful there it defeats that victim mentality where you feel like you're the only one victims don't have victory okay victims never have victory so we want to get past that forgiveness keeps your heart tender and by the way I mean that's the next one you know offense unforgiveness bitterness we've talked about this too in fact I'm going to tell you this if you're having trouble forgiving someone, you may have been at it for years. You may need a lot of help doing that. Uh, you've got to understand what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Okay, And we just did a series on this in the spring. Okay, It was in a long series called uh, Staying on Course. You can find this through podcasts. You can find the videos still. Uh, at rmcmchurch.org. Just go find the videos. The last two or three of those videos in particular, we talked about forgiveness and we talked about it in depth. We talked about it for two or three sessions too, I think. Please, if you're having trouble, you're the only one that is trapped by that unforgiveness. It is your heart that's being made hard by it. It will eat you up. And so I just, I I beg of you, (laughs) please go watch those. Think about the verses we shared there. We we talked through all of that. I don't have time to do it this morning, um, but there it is, okay? So staying on course, we did it in the spring. I think it was in about March or April, something like that. And the last few of those, you could listen to the whole series. It's actually really good, but okay. So let's talk about willfulness. We only have a few minutes left because this is one we don't touch on a lot, willfulness. The Bible says a lot about willfulness and I'm going to read you a series of scriptures here. Are you still with me? Okay. Being willful. What is that? It means being self-willed, inherently resistant to correction or change inherently resistant to correction or change. It's a manifestation of the spirit of rebellion is what it is, okay? And our society, our culture as a whole is steeped in it, okay? We celebrate it today. We celebrate, we call it being powerful. We call it being our own person. We think it's the greatest thing in the world. There's a place for being, God wants you to be powerful in him. He wants your life to be when I'm weak, then I am strong in him, okay? But this isn't that. This is, it's all about me. I'm powerful. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm not submitted to anybody or anything. In saying that, you are submitting yourself to someone. But at any rate, um, willfulness is showing this—showing a stubborn and determined intention to do what one wants. Okay, We're going to do our own thing, regardless of the consequences or effects it is being headstrong it is being obstinate or again self-willed okay we we live in the you know i am i am my own man i can do whatever i want with my body i have my rights yes you do but whenever we exalt rights over responsibilities we get messed up every time i don't care i don't care whether we're talking about the rights that that the left Values are the rights that the right values. Whenever we exalt our rights above our responsibilities, we make mistakes. Always. We just, we just do. Okay? So anytime a Christian has a revelation of God's will or ways, but chooses to do his own thing, all right, that means we're operating in a willful spirit and we're partnering with a spirit of rebellion. Okay? This is just the reality. You guys okay? This is the reality. Okay? I'm just. So, so, so that you don't think I'm saying this, let's just read the Bible and then we'll be done. Okay? I'm just going to read these to you. I don't have them on your screen. You can write them down, look them up. These, I think, are all from the Amplified, probably. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, of course, tells us to keep and guard our heart with all vigilance and above all that we guard for out of the heart flow the springs of life. Put away from, how do I do that? I put away from me false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk put far from you. This is how God says to guard your heart. Put dishonest False and dishonest speech, far from you, and willful and contrary talk. So don't hang around and listen to willful and contrary people. Okay? You're just sowing that into your heart. Don't you be one either, but don't hang around and listen. Don't turn on the news and listen to willful and contrary people. Okay? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 32. The lips is so often this, this speaks about what we're saying. The lips of the uncompromisingly righteous know and therefore utter what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked knows and therefore speaks only what is obstinately willful and contrary, obstinately willful and contrary, the mouth of the wicked. You okay with me reading the rest of these? We're late. Big surprise. Relax. I've been getting in trouble for this. Proverbs chapter eleven, verse three. Proverbs eleven three The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Ooh, that's good. My integrity will guide me, but the willful contrariness and crookedness of the treacherous shall destroy them. Proverbs fifteen four. Proverbs 15.4. Sounds like bingo, doesn't it? Proverbs 15.4. A gentle, that means healing, tongue, with its healing power is a tree of life. Wow. But willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. So that means when we have a conversation with somebody, we get the choice, bring a healing tongue or bring our willful contrariness and break down their spirit. I don't want to be responsible for that. Proverbs 22.5. Proverbs 22.5. Thorns and snares are in the way of the obstinate and willful. He who guards himself will be far from them. So guarding ourselves. Thorns and snares. So the way of the obstinate and willful person is not easy. There's thorns and snares. And then they get really grumpy. Okay, doesn't say that here, but I think it's implied. Proverbs 19.3, the foolish man undermines his way. Oh, here it is. Ha. The foolish man undermines his way, ruining whatever he undertakes. Then his heart is resentful and rages against the Lord. For being a fool, he blames the Lord instead of himself. All right, so the Bible has a lot more to say about willfulness. you just, if you start noticing, you'll find it Everywhere, willfulness. It's that spirit of, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That is hardness of heart. And it will rob us, it'll just allow that lying thief to just snag the word out of our heart before it has any time to function. Okay? Did you get anything out of this? It seems like there's stuff we can put to work in our lives. There is for me. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you for your patience thank you lord thank you father father i i just pray lord we would receive this whole message cuz it, it is it's god it's a in some ways it's a hard message for us father it, it it requires something of us but lord we do know who you are and we know you have the very best for us in mind And so, Father, any place in any of this where you are addressing us, Lord, we choose to say yes. We choose to receive it. And we trust that by your Holy Spirit and by your word, you will continue to work these attitudes that we've talked about this morning. You will continue to turn up and till and fertilize and water the soil of our hearts. Because, Lord, we want our whole heart to be good ground for you. And so, Lord, we are opening ourselves to you. And if there's any place where fear, or unforgiveness, or hurt, bitterness, willfulness, where we have allowed that to settle in and press the soil of our heart into a hard ground. Father, we give that over to you. We confess it in Jesus' name. We ask forgiveness for it. And we thank you, Lord. We ask you for your work right there, right in that place. Come, Holy Spirit, and work in that place and stir that up so that I can be a different person there. Lord, we receive it. We receive your gracious life and gracious work and gracious word in Jesus' name. And as we go out this week, Lord, we will have gracious lips. We will have healing lips. We will have tender hearts. There will be forgiveness where there was unforgiveness. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's say it on the count of three and we'll be dismissed. As always, good snacks out there. So hang around and get to know some people. All right. Say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.